0: Thank you for joining us for the study of God's Word today. Grab a Bible and listen carefully as God will be speaking to us through His Word today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Take your Bible and maybe you have a hard book kind of Bible or maybe it's in your phone but find your way to the Gospel of John and we're going to be reading from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 17 we're picking up where we left off last as we work our way through the Gospel of John I'm going to read this from the English Standard Version and you can follow along in whatever version you have with you Silently as I read aloud. These are the words of Jesus. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. In the 1970s, there was a young man who graduated from law school. He had a great dream come true in that accomplishment. And the second dream, which came true, was he passed the bar exam for the state in which he lived. And also, he was able to rent a space. It was not a large office, but it was his office, and he decorated it the way he wanted. He was a single man. He didn't have anyone to help him in the clerking part of law practice or the administrative part running the office. But nevertheless, he had great expectations. He was in that office the first day he had advertised he would be available to take care of people who needed his services. He was irritated that morning, however, because this was way before the time of AT&T. Every part of the country had its own brand of the Bell system. He was in the southeast of the United States, and his part was called Southern Bell. And so he was waiting for the technician to come, and it couldn't be done remotely like it can be today. No cell phones, nothing like that. And he just was eager to get his phone hooked up so he could take calls that he knew must have been coming in by the scores, but he was not able to talk to people about the business. So he was waiting there impatiently, and all of a sudden he heard a knock on the door and he sort of made sure his desk looked like he'd been doing some work on it and he said just a moment and he walked over and the phone he had the phone on his desk and he had left the phone off the hook upside down as if he'd been talking on it and he walked in and he said I'm sorry sir would you be willing to wait a minute I've got to finish this conversation he said okay no hurry so He sat down and he said in the closing remarks, he didn't have much more to say. He says, Mayor, I'm so happy that you called me today. And I will be more than happy to serve you in our beloved city. You call me anytime, day or night, and I promise you I will respond and give you my best effort. Then he hung the phone up. Then the man who came in the door was asked by this young lawyer, Sir, how may I help you? And he said, actually, I have come here to help you. I'm with the Southern Bell Company, and I came here to hook up your phone. (laughs) Well, as I thought about what I was sharing today, that story came to my mind. And this passage of Scripture talks about Jesus knowing us. Sometimes we overlook that to our own peril. In fact, knowing Jesus, we know He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. So knowing Him is critically important. In fact, Jesus goes so far as to say in John 17, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I would say that's important, wouldn't you? Knowing Him. But even more important, believe it or not, is that He knows us. And what we're going to do as we look at this passage of Scripture in detail, we're going to discover there are five tests which can be applied to us in determining if we are known by Him. So let's dig right in to this passage of Scripture. And the first thing we're going to see in this passage of Scripture is this, that if we are known by Christ... We're going to do what He commands us to do. Look again at verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. By the way, the command to love is a command that when we read it in the original language, it sounds like this. Keep on loving one another just as I have loved you. This matter of following what Christ calls us to be first and to do is not some sort of compartmentalized aspect of a person's life. It's designed to be the way in which a person lives. And we're going to see how this is possible for us as we work our way through the passage of Scripture. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. The Monongahela River has its roots in the state of West Virginia. And there is a true story that has circulated for decades about an event that occurred on that river. It seems as though a man, a grandpa like me, took his grandson out for a fishing trip on that river. Neither of them could swim. Not a good idea to go out on the river especially one that had some suspicious and really wicked currents in it. Well, what happened was somehow or another the boy, I don't know if it was due to the fact he had caught a fish and was trying to get it into the boat, but he fell into the water. And of course the father was panicked at what he saw. Grandfather out was, I should say, and what he did, knowing he couldn't swim, he dived into the water to try to save the boy. Well, you know how that story ended. The boy and the grandfather both died. When the search team finally found their bodies at the bottom of the river, they discovered that the grandfather was holding his grandson tightly to his chest. As if to say, I'm going to do whatever I can to save this child's life. He's so dear to me. That kind of story, it's not a made-up story. It's historically verifiable. But that story tells us of the incredible capacity for a human father or grandfather to love his child. The same would be true for grandmothers, I'm sure. And This is a picture of how God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, That whoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's awesome to think about, isn't it? How God loved us while we were His enemies, the Bible says. He sent His Son to take the punishment for our sin. And in so doing, Jesus gives us the beautiful picture of what this love looks like. It's the sacrifice of self, and in Christ's case, of undeserving others. Christ died because He loved us and we were the one ones whose sin made it necessary for Him to go and die on the cross. And verse 14 says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. We're getting to the basic idea. Doing what He commands us to do. What has He commanded us to do? We've seen it already, haven't we? Twice to love one another and he's speaking specifically to a group of eleven men we know them as apostles they were believers in Jesus Christ in fact they were the ones whom Christ had chosen to move the ball forward and so he was preparing them and he knew it was incredibly important in fact it was absolutely necessary that the way they related to each other was not people who were without flaw, part of being an effective witness is to be honest about our own struggles, but not be defined by them, rather be defined by the fact that we have been chosen in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight, and we are growing. This group of men had a lot of growing to do, but they grew. And we know about it from what the Bible says in their own words, but also in the book of Acts with the formation of the church. But what we have to realize is that Christ wants us to be loving toward each other because we are exhibit A to a world that is needing a clear picture of the person of Jesus Christ represented, yes, in individuals, but even more so in a body of believers. The reason I say that is because if someone knows you and you are a a true follower of Jesus Christ, and you love the Lord, and you care about people who don't know the Lord, and you want to help people come to know Christ, and you are a person who seeks to live a God-honoring Christ-following life, and that person or persons in your office or your community... They look at you and they think, well, this person is a mutation of what a Christian is. Because all the Christians I know, they're a bunch of hypocrites, right? I mean, I hope it's not right of y'all, but you know what I mean. That's the image that we sometimes contribute to to a world that needs a relationship with a loving father. And they need to see a demonstration of the love of God represented in a group of people like us. It doesn't have to be a large group, just a group of people who love each other. It's hard to criticize the kind of love that Jesus showed, isn't it? How He laid down His life for His friends, even though they were the ones for whom He was dying, and even we were in His mind, believe it or not. The Lord looked down the corridor of time, from eternity probably, He and the Father and the Holy Spirit put together the plan of salvation. And the Bible talks about how we who know Jesus Christ were chosen in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. You were in the mind of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit before there was any material universe they in their eternal being and in their omniscience they could look down and see who would be here in this room even today every one of us has the capacity because we are created in the image of God to become people who are like Christ because Christ makes himself known to us that's incredibly important and here's The first indication, the overarching indication, that I or you are people who are not just name droppers about Jesus. A lot of people are name droppers. They like to, when it's appropriate and it's advantageous, they'll drop the name of Jesus here and not as a curse word the way he's usually used in conversation. But just drop, you know, their language changes and everything about them if they're in a certain setting that they would be found out if they were acting as they normally do but we want to be people when we speak about christ would you agree we want to be people who have a degree of genuineness when we speak about him we can call him our friend we have a lifestyle of this sort go on over hold your place here and go to Romans 13, some of you kept your place there when Jesus read from that. We're on 13, 8 through 10. Just a quick review of 13, 8, and 9, and 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Thinking of the Ten Commandments when he said that. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You see why the Lord Jesus Christ was so intent upon telling his followers to keep on loving one another, because he knew that the enterprise of the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ was at stake in the love that we would show each other. And the way that he would use that to draw people to himself. Let me read something that St. Augustine, who was the great church father in the late part of the 4th and early part of the 5th century A.D., he wrote these words in reference to this passage of Scripture that we're looking at. It is not that you keep His commandments first, and then He loves us. Listen carefully. But that He loves us, and then we keep His commandments. That is grace, which is revealed to the humble but hidden from the proud we who know Christ we know him because as the Bible says in 1st John chapter 4 we love because he first loved us he came hunting from up for us when we had no interest in him whatsoever and he showed his grace in the fact that He brought us back from the dead spiritually. The Bible says, as for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and then all of a sudden, a miracle occurred in your life. If you know Jesus Christ, there was a resurrection which occurred in your life. People sometimes say, I wish we could see some miracles today. I could call out the names of several people in here whom I know, who when I first knew them, they were dead in their trespasses and sin. And there has been a revolution that has occurred in their lives. It's more than a revolution. It's a resurrection. And God has come and dwelled them and has begun to change them more and more to look like Jesus Christ in the way in which they treat others in their lives. There's quite nothing quite like someone who's come to Christ and has begun to grow into Christ's likeness. It's wonderful to think about, isn't it? Well, let's look at the second thing. The first thing, of course, is, the biggest one really, is that we do what He commands. And in this passage... Look at verse 17. This is the third time he says something about it. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And in each case, I sound like a broken record. I don't give a hoot if I do. Here's, Here's what it's about. Keep on loving one another. That's what it is about. It's to be a way of life for us. But here's the second thing. We develop the capacity to hear God speak to us. Now, I'm going to clarify that. I'm not talking about your hearing Him with these ears. I wouldn't put that past Him, but with these ears. I'm talking about the ears of your heart. Do you know you have two sets of ears? You have ears that are external, physical, and you have ears that are in your heart. And God speaks to us. Look at what Jesus goes on to say here in this passage of Scripture. In verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. And that's a sweet sound to that, isn't it? For all that I have heard from my father I have been known, made known to you. All that Jesus had heard. He is not saying anything for effect, in the sense of trying to impress people, or paint a picture that's not an accurate picture. He's saying All that I've heard from the Father, I've passed on to you. That's why I took three and a half years to pour my life into you eleven men, so that you would know everything that the Father has given me to say to you, so that you can take the ball forward. The gospel message will go forward. So, they did hear what Jesus had to say. Now, this is wild when you stop to think about it. And what I mean by that is Jesus is a man, a perfect man, but He was fully God. He did not become God because He lived a perfect life. He was perfect on arrival. Whereas every other baby born in the world since Adam and Eve was dead on arrival, spiritually He was perfect on arrival. But Jesus Christ, He... Listen to the Father as the Father guided Him in His ministry here on earth and empowered Him to accomplish the mission that He had been given. He was listening. He was passing it on. He was confiding in them. Have you ever known anybody that's a person of importance in the community? And sometime you would just like to find out what that person really believes when you talk to that person. Because people are afraid to confide in people, aren't they? For fear they'll be exposed or manipulated or both. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus is more than willing to reveal Himself to you and me and to teach us what we need to know in order to be capable of loving one another. He wants us. To know Him. And it all begins, as we saw, with His knowing us. How is it that we can hear Christ? Here's how it works. If we took time to go to Exodus, the ninth chapter, we would discover that Moses begins a rather long paragraph by saying this, The Lord says, and then he speaks several things, and he wrote those down for Posterity. We benefit from that. When Paul, thousands of years later, was writing the book of Romans, he took part of that that Moses had written down and used it to make a point to believers who were not Jewish in background, who were Gentile, non-Jewish. And he says, instead of saying, the Lord said this, He says the same words, but this is the way He says it. Listen, the Scripture says this. God says this, and the Scripture says this. Well, who's right? Moses or Paul? Yes, they both are right. Because the Scripture, obviously, is God speaking to us. We don't hear with these ears what He speaks, but I guarantee you, if you want to know God, go to the Bible and just start reading. I'll tell you a great place to begin. The Gospel of John, which we're reading from, would be perfect. But anything in the Bible would be helpful to you, especially the New Testament, and you'll begin to hear the Lord. If you don't understand the Bible, and I'm not talking about the language of the Bible, I'm talking about... You miss the message. You're trying hard. Somebody's here saying, man, I really want to understand this Christianity thing. I'm not getting it. Well, keep exposing yourself to Scripture. And the Holy Spirit of God will reveal Jesus Christ to you. And in turn, Jesus Christ will say, I love you. I loved you enough to lay down my life for you, to pay for your sins and to offer you the gift of eternal life, provided you're willing to trust in me alone for your salvation. So, why don't we understand now? Here's why. The Bible says there are two groups of people who inhabit the world. The natural man and the spiritual man. The natural man is someone who is yet to be born again by the living and abiding Word of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Paul writes these words. He says this, Therefore, if any person is in Christ, that person is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's a spiritual man. A person who, have, as I mentioned earlier in the message, was dead spiritually. Christ came. came into his life. Or her life, and that person immediately came alive because that person was raised from the dead spiritually. And that person can understand. And the book of 1 Corinthians says, A spiritual man understands the things of God. And the reason for that is because we who know Christ have the mind of Christ. Now let's go back where we started just a few moments ago. What does Jesus say? All that the Father has shared with me, I've told you. I have opened the book, as it were. I'm not keeping anything from you, is what Christ says. And He says, I love you. I gave my life for you. And I'm going to speak to you. And the way you can understand it is, I have given you my mind. Now, pause here just a moment. Those of you who are new and you haven't been here since we've been looking in the book of John 15, about this analogy that Jesus brings up in the first verse, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch that by- abides in me, I help that branch to bear fruit that remains. And by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So read that with this in mind. The word abide, literally a good way to remember it is make one's life in something. We saw that from John 1 when Jesus invited some curious people who were wondering if He were the Messiah and He said, come and see. And the Bible says they came and they stayed there with Him. It's the same word that is used in John 15 that's repeatedly translated by the word abide in English. To hang out with. To have some time with, to be with. Well, Jesus has done that for us in the sense that He has come into our lives if we trusted Him. And we can think His thoughts after Him. And where are His thoughts preserved? If I want you to know what I'm thinking, I have two means of communication, or maybe more. I mean, I could use my phone and text you, or I could leave a voicemail for you, but I could write it down somewhere, couldn't I? And you'd know what I want from you or would like from you. But also, you could watch the way I behave, and if I gave you a good example, you could follow that. So, we learn, because Christ confides in us, once we come to know Him, and He teaches us the Word of God, which is His Word for us. Here's a third thing in this passage of Scripture. and It's that we have security in Christ. Do you have security? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, that you'd go to be with God in heaven? There are probably people in this room who don't have that security. And the very thought of it creates a conflict and fear, perhaps, in your life. But what we know is that the Lord God says this. He says, I write these things in order that you may know that you have eternal life. And He says also, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. Knowing Christ begins with God taking the initiative to open our eyes, and then when we see Christ and we hear what He has to say, we want to yield ourselves to Him and say, Jesus Christ, please forgive me of my sin. Come and live in my life and give me eternal life. And the good news is, look at the passage again that we just read, the 15th verse. We'll read it again in John 15. No longer do I call you servants, For the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Now let's pause right there. You'll say, what does that have to do with security? It has everything. When Jesus says, I have called you friends, you're going to have to trust me here. The command where he says, I have called you, that verb is a verb which means I called you in time, one point in time, and for the rest of your being, not just in history, but when you leave this world to go into eternity, you're never going to be uncalled. In other words, you're going to be cared for by me. In John chapter 10, Jesus says this, my sheep, he compares himself to a shepherd, you remember that, a good shepherd. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Remember, it's not an audible voice, 99 times out of 100. I I, I don't ever hear the Lord speak audibly, but He speaks to my heart. I know when He speaks. I sense it. But what the Lord says, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them. Notice what He says. I know them. And they follow Me. And I give them eternal life. Eternal life cannot be earned, nor is it deserved. It's a gift. I give them eternal life and no one can take them out of my hand here again our English speaking and reading eyes keep us from understanding some of these finer points but what he's saying there when he says no one can take them out of my hand he uses a powerful way of speaking or writing in the language of the New Testament and it would be unacceptable in in English because it's a double negative. This is what it literally says. My sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me and I give eternal life and no one, this is what he really says, can not ever, not never rather, take me out, take them out of my hand. Not never. That's a strong way and writers and speakers of the Language in the New Testament we use it to make the strongest statement. And that's true of us. Once we've been called to follow Christ, He's not going to pull the plug. We did not do anything to save ourselves to begin with. God did all that. We responded to the Spirit's call and trusted Christ alone for eternal life. And in that moment of transition from a spiritual death to a spiritual life, in that moment... We became new people in Christ. Secure. Here's a fourth thing that's true. Keep track of these. Here's the fourth thing. That if you are known by Christ, you are going to be fruitful. And let me try to explain what that means as we look at this passage together again. Look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you. Let's stop right there. Who chose you to be a believer in Jesus if you are a believer, a true believer? Who did it? Jesus chose you. And he is intent upon our understanding that that in itself is a safeguard against losing our salvation, because he has done that, and it's not just here, it's all over your Bible if you read with eyes to see and ears to hear you will see such statements and he goes on to say and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide and the word is translated remains in some of the translations so that whatever you ask in my name he may give it to you so we are to bear fruit now what constitutes such fruit it could be and probably partially is the fruit of the spirit the holy spirit produces his nature in us and we know what the fruit of the spirit amount to what's the first one love that fits this doesn't it joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control those are two traits of the holy spirit and The traits of Jesus as well, because both are God. The traits of God the Father. The essence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is identical, and those are character traits, among others, regarding Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But what he says here will bear fruit. It's more than just being like Christ, that's very important. But it's the idea of abiding in Christ. Remember, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, think of yourself as a branch, Christ as a vine. He who abides in me bears much fruit. Awesome. So the big question is, what does it mean to abide in him? And how do we maintain that relationship with him? Well, first of all, we can't lose... I'm going to go through the back door here. We cannot lose our salvation. But we can lose the best connection because we start looking for other people or other means of dependence and trust to get us through life. We're easily sidetracked because the ruler of this world is the deceiver himself, Satan, And he masquerades as an angel of light. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. But then after we become believers, then he does everything he can to undo what God has done. And he can't do it. It's frustrating for him, I'm sure. But what happens is sometimes we get off the rails spiritually. And therefore we can't bear fruit. But there's two steps to getting back in that best kind of connection. First is to confess that we have gotten off the rails and say, Lord, I've sinned. I've taken life into my own hands again. I've not depended on You. So, Lord, please answer Your promise that You will forgive me if I do. And just like that, He does when you're sincere. And then you ask the Spirit of God to take control of your mind and heart again and guide you. And He will. He will. So, when we abide in Christ consistently, fruit is born through our lives. The person of Christ exhibits himself through me. He shows people someone who's different. And as a group, remember, this is about group. It's about us. It's about a family unit. It's about a circle of friends. It's about people who make up the body of Christ. We should love each other. Do you know the hallmark of the first generation or so of believers in Jesus Christ when the pagan philosophers would look and they tried to assess and figure out what is it that makes these people tick? One such writer, writing to the Emperor Trajan in 112 A.D., said this. He said, they love each other. They care for each other. They sacrifice for each other. He scratched his head. He'd never seen anything like it in the Roman Empire. And he had traveled the empire from one end to the other, reporting back to the emperor what he saw. But we have that same Christ in us, and He will produce fruit through us. Fruit, notice that's the way it begins in John 15. and Then he talks about much fruit, and then He ends up talking about more fruit. The Lord wants that. He wants to produce more and more and more through you and me. So we have the opportunity to, do, to depend on Him for that. Jesus says this a little differently and listen carefully about this matter. He says in John 12, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. We have to die to our own desires. We have to die to the right to control our own lives. After all, if you live long enough and you're honest enough with yourself, You made a lot of miscues along the way and a lot of messes. Well, the Lord is the one who is able to put all that back together to begin with and piece it together. And the cracks will still be there so as not to give the impression to lost people that we're perfect. We're just forgiven, right? And the Lord takes people who are contrite and sorry for their sin and go to Him and say, Lord, please... Save me. And He does it. And He uses us. Isn't it good to think that you could be used by the Lord? Some of you are already being used, as I'm about to say. That you could be used by the Lord to help somebody who does not know Jesus and therefore does not have eternal life. You could be that picture of Christ to minister to a person like that. That's not beyond the realm of Possibility, I would say it's within the realm of probability because you trust Christ and you are learning to depend upon Him, listen to Him. All these things that we've looked at. And here's the last thing that we can apply to ourselves. And here again, this is in verse 16. Let me read the entire thing. You did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. Does that sound like prayer to you? It is. And how are we to pray? In Mike Wood's name? Not going to get an answer except to no. if I come in my own name. Lord, you know how good I am. I, I preach every, every week almost and I pray for some of the people in the church and all that. he says, I don't care. I mean, maybe not he wouldn't say that, but he says, I, I can't depend on you, Mike. Nobody can depend on you to get what they need. I'm the only one who can do it. All I want you to do, Mike, is to maintain dependence on me, abiding and making your home in me and in my Word. And the result of that is that God uses us. its I tell you, one of the biggest joys of my life is when I look out on a congregation like this and I know people who have been born again and I know people who have a heart for God and they love people. They love their family. They love their friends. They love their neighbors and they want to be used by God. And... That's what the Lord's looking for. That we be such people. And isn't it beautiful to think about what God can do with people like us. People who are marred, are broken. People who get down on ourselves sometimes, down on each other. God uses us when we yield ourselves to Him and Him alone. Two verses that... Are begging to be quoted from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Do you have any idea who that friend is? It's Jesus Christ. That's who it is. And He wants to befriend people through you. And then another verse, Proverbs 17.17 17, says this, A brother loves at all times. I mean, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. This is what God wants for you. Jesus has spoken to somebody here today, I hope, and he has clarified for you that he wants to give you a place in his family, and you find that place by opening. Your heart to him. The Bible says, as many as received him, to him to them he gave eternal life, and trusting in him alone for salvation. Would you pray with me? Lord, help me to be a person who abides in you and trusts you, Lord. I want my life to matter. Not just for a moment, but forever. So Lord, please, continue to make Yourself known to me. I want to know You. I give my life to You, Lord. If You're willing to take me as I am, I give my life to You without reservation. Thank You, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Great to have you here today.